crazy, disruptive, explicit. We say it like it is. Real world sales and marketing. Real stories from the road. Yeah, it's the real shit. This, this is the Recapic Podcast. Episode one. Numero uno. Season, season three. I had taco a little bit ago, so I'm speaking in Spanish now. So we're season trace. Oh. Episode Uno. On Taco Tuesday. On Taco this Tuesday. Tuesday. Wow. I keep forgetting. I had a Monday on my Tuesday. It'll be Wednesday when we release this because we always release on Hump Day Havoc. Nooner. At Nooner. We do Nooner on uh, Hump Day Havoc. At Nooner, is that like military talk? Oh, you copy that. That's at Nooner. So it's an afternoon delight. Mm-hmm. Afternoon mm-hmm. delight. I am super stoked about this episode because I know we've said this on past episodes. Where we said, oh, we've been working on the. We've been working on this. Okay, I told I've mm-hmm. been saying this for a long time. I, I said, know. Yeah, you I've know what? A long time. I said, hey, the only thing that could make this podcast better is if you took the Trevors and multiplied them and had two Trevors. That's that's an increase of practically a hundred percent. Almost. Almost. Technically, he's not quite a hundred percent of me. He's probably like more like eighty percent of me. Yeah, but you're just a from bonus. weight. You're a just bonus. from a weight issue, but <laughs> you even out to like a normal two normal Trevors. That's true. Yeah. Even out. So we have. I've been working on getting Trevor Hill as our guest tonight of Barkley and Hill Barbershop. Are you gonna hit it, hit him with Jesus. some some applause, please? Son of a bitch! Hold on a second. Gotta find that. There we go. You want to do it again? Yeah. Hey. So, anyways, like I was saying, we uh, we doubled up the Trevor's today, and we got uh, Trevor Hill with Barkley and Hill here. Oh, hey! Perfect. Uh, I'm sorry. I just want to apologize, season three listeners. Way to start out. I whiffed. <laughs> sorry, I had a. We've been on hiatus for a little while, bud. I'm out of practice. I mean, between COVID and the elevation and the time of year and the temperature, I mean, there's a lot of shit going on right now. I agree. So anyway, it's been really, really stoked to, to uh, get Trevor on here just because it's fun. It sounds like I'm talking to myself sometimes, and that's even cooler. Like you're talking in third person. I know. It's like, so anyways. That is pretty awesome. I'm not going to Trevor. Let's try to get another Jody on here, too. Let's do that sometime during season three. If we could find another male Jody. Oh, my God. Oh, dude, Jody. What are, Jody's a bad guy. It's a bad name in the military oh, world. Oh, are you kidding me? Jody steals your girl. Oh, All you're in boot camp, you're on deployment. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to watch out for Jody. <laughs> oh, man. I, right I would have had second thoughts about being on this podcast. I, I, I know there's a freaking Jody on I here. I don't want to freak you out. I don't want you to oh. leave because we're just getting started. But There's a lot of people that hate Jody. Hey. Dude, he spells his name with an I. Exactly, and that's heart. how they spell it. And yeah. he puts a yeah. heart a over heart the right above, Heart right above the eye. Or you could put a bullseye. You know <laughs> Might as well be a bullseye. Man. You know what? Here's what they say. Mm-hmm. And ladies and gentlemen, that's a female crowd. All females. All female. <laughs> All females. <laughs> they scream. They throw things. Practically this is, put out this a This is a Jody. So we, here, we'll tie some stuff in here. So we actually had a guest on our uh, podcast previously in season two. A long time ago. Way back in season two. Uh, the, it, when Tyler Mabe came on with Mountainland Design, mm-hmm. and John and, and Tyler came on, were guests. So this is my tie to how I met Trevor was we were on, because again, that episode we talk about going that extra mile and what you do for customer service, right? Right. Here's what we're talking about. This is how shit happens. They, instead of doing the stupid, you know, hot dog, you know, customer appreciation deal, come eat a hot dog and, and win a, a hat, 
they actually take their fucking customers and they go, uh, you know, rent out a barbershop. Like, and I'm not talking fucking barbershop. I'm talking the baddest ass barbershop you can picture. I mean, I'm sitting here looking at shit. I'm looking at a coat rack that has a pair of fucking nunchucks on it right now. Nunchuck. That is the sound of a nunchuck. That's what I think when I think nunchucks. You, you, we're talking. We've we've got Hold American flags I, and dead we, animals. Go I, go there's a, a bear wearing a scarf. We gotta go back. Is it nun? Chucks or is it numb? Yeah, nunchucks. It's, it's none technically. I say nunchucks. Is that more dangerous kind? Yeah, because as a kid, I thought it was numb chucks. Right. And I had this discussion with my brother, who's also a client of Trevor's here. <laughs> I said ninja. he said it's nunchucks, and I said I don't give a fuck. They're always <laughs> nunchucks to me. They'll always be nunchucks. I'll make you numb. I'll hit you with it, and you'll become numb. I think that makes that sense. makes sense that, to me. None doesn't, doesn't make sense to me. So when you hit yourself in the head, <laughs> I go numb. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. So anyway, getting back back to how we got here. So we, so By John, the way, John and FYI, Tyler, we take a lot of tangents. Way a lot tons of left, of left turns. turns. Squirrel. Yeah. Like, absolutely. <laughs> Where? Uh, they. So John and Tyler, they bring out their top, you know, people when they want to do a customer event. What they do is they actually bring them and they rent out this badass barbershop. They got three barbers sitting here. We walk in. They got booze. They've got food. And we get fucking straight razor shaved and fucking haircuts and all this cool shit. And we sit around and we drink whiskey and bourbon and bullshit. That's how you fucking take care of your customers, right? That's something totally different and memorable, right? But it does two things. It actually helps bolster Barkley and Hill. It gives them, gets them out here. Got me in here. Mm-hmm. Um, and just sitting here. And then when you get in, it's really cool. But then you talk to Trevor and you hear the story behind it. And like, I'm not trying to kiss up to, I mean, yes, just get a little Trevor on Trevor action here. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, chicks love. It's one of the leading uh, categories on Pornhub is Trevor on Trevor. Wow. Yeah. All right. You just went there. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so, so I got to meet Trevor, and, I, and like, oh, he wow. helps really pack. Like, that got, got <laughs> it's going to get worse because I'm going right. to say hey, he thanks, helps. guys. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Uh, hey, bolt out right now. It's all the time we have oh, for tonight. Shit. You know what? I got a three-month-old baby at home. The wife <laughs> just sent me a text. All I right, got to go. <laughs> so as I was saying, he really helped pound at home. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Going there again. Anyways, it's kind of ironic. So we that's how we ended up. So after being here and just kind of experiencing it and and talking to him and and exactly what we've talked about on the Recavic podcast, giving back to other people, bringing in other, you know, it's who you know, right? It's those circles. Mm -hmm. And once you talk to Trevor and you you hear him talk about how how he did this, all the work that went into his past story and what's happened, like literally, it's like holy shit. This is this is the kind of people you want to be around. You got. Partners, all three chairs are military veterans. One's still active, right? Steven's still active. So you've got three military guys all all sitting here, cutting hair, doing their thing. And so anyways, that's kind of my build up to what we're looking at and i i you know i wish people could see we're, we'll post some pictures but like i just snapped the visual a few of this, pictures of you handsome you know, fellas brick, brick walls and the fucking james bond picture and the fucking kick-ass green couch that come from england or somewhere right where's it from just super cool shit right real barber chairs england mm, that's fancy Anyways, what about really the cool. brass knuckles uh, i carried those over in iraq with me really mm-hmm. 
Nice. <laughs> Those are military issued. Military oh, no. issued. Oh, no. They don't issue things like that. Those are things you get caught by an officer having them in your pocket and just like, excuse me, Corporal, why do you have these? Like, Where did those come um, from? Why do I have these, sir? Uh, just in case. Uh, sir. You look around and be like, uh, we're at war, sir. <laughs> Like, have you been out there? These are a weapon. <laughs> Sir, have you We're ever at war? Have you ever been punched in the face with somebody I mean, like, with brass knuckles? World War it's a One great guys deterrent. had these. Well, I'm, I'm bringing it old school back to Iraq. Like, what's up? Got some brass knuckles. I love in, that. in case that gun Get away goes from click, my vehicle. click, click, I am going to. Yeah. Stand by. I got to put these on real fast. I like that. Anyway. Hey, I'd, rather, I'd rather have them and not need them than need them and not have them. Yeah. Hmm. So, it I sounds like, so much more mature when what? you say it that way, but Excuse then we're talking me, sir, about brass you, knuckles. You don't have a pair of brass knuckles? Like, <laughs> Not in these underwear. <laughs> I don't think I can follow your leadership, sir. <laughs> sir. <laughs> he just is a, this entire fist is brass. Oh. <laughs> or tight oh, God. oh, yeah. All right, so this is my transition. This is, um, this is really touching, and this is where my, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to segue, a segue into a segue. Wow. Ready for this? Dude, season three, three segues. Oh, it's getting crazy. It's about to. I just got lost. What did I just say? (laughs) All right. You're going to segue into a segue. So here's what. So showing up, right? I'm going to title this one showing up. I know. Because we showed up. This is a plan words. I'm following. I'm just trying. We showed up. We don't have to really do anything. We just have to let him lead, right? Mm -hmm. We show up. But at the end of the day, you have to show up. But sometimes you don't know. You don't know what your future has in store for you. Right. Mm-hmm. So, how long have you? How long has this been open? The shop. Eight, eight months going on nine. <clears throat> so go back two years ago. Maybe an idea. Maybe a dream. Maybe a. You know, it'd be awesome. Brass knuckles and a barber <laughs> shop. Brass <laughs> knuckles. Just want to hang with this brass knuckles on the wall. All right. So here's it's my quote. Be, it's gonna be amazing. It's gonna be great. So you you don't have to know what comes next. You don't have to have everything figured out right this second. You don't need to know your entire story. You are living, changing, growing, soul riding through your unique and beautiful journey of life. And that's exactly what it is. It's a journey. And it wouldn't be a journey if you knew everything that was coming next. It wouldn't be a journey if you knew how it would all turn out in the end. So be patient with yourself and smile at the not knowing. Because your story is just starting to be written. Nikki Bannis, I hope I pronounced But I love the idea of the journey, the process, the left turns, the distractions, the things that turn into something you never imagined. But at the end of the day, you have to show up. You have to be the special flavor of who you are in the world and go make what you're going to do, do Go, Get it done. Go right? back and tell us some stuff. So, I know some stuff, so I'm, I'm I don't just know anything. To listen. And Jody, goes, I didn't tell Jody anything. That goes I want for him not only life, it goes for this podcast and your story. So back up. I don't even know how far. You said two years. Do you want me to go back to? No, I want you to go back. No, back, let's back. go back to. Do you have like some cool dream music? Like, yeah, uh, do the dream music. I have this. I want you to go back in time. I want you to tell back me in time. how that makes you feel. Wow. You, yeah, go go back. Well, first before I, I tell the story, I was really nervous when he said Nikki that he was going to say Minaj. Oh. That, that was a Nikki Minaj quote. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I was just in my awesome. thought. I had it like <laughs> you're like if fucking making Minaj put that together. Oh my god! All right, all right. That would be pretty amazing. Wait, play the dream music again. Okay, we're going back in time. Back in time. Mm-hmm. Well, 
Let's see. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I don't know. How far back do you guys want to go? So um, tell us your so, story. As, as a high school kid, were okay. you going to be a barber? Hell no. Are you kidding me? No. Uh, we'll say, I'll, I'll go back to age 12. Okay. Age 12, moved over here to Boise, Idaho. Uh, my next door neighbor, the guy, old Korean War veteran, uh, owned some coffee shops. He owned DK Donuts. Oh, yeah. Uh, back in the day. Yeah. And uh, he had a... Uh, senior in high school, went to Capitol High School. This guy was joining the Marine Corps, and each time my mom would go to the grocery store, the coffee cart that he had in Fred Myers over off like Five Mile in Overland, mm-hmm. it's got a little coffee cart in there. So I would go and like you know BS with the senior in high school guy because he wanted to be a Marine. I was like, oh my gosh, you're gonna be a Marine, and he gave me a Marine Corps guidebook. So had that Marine Corps guidebook, was just super jazzed on that, and then. That same time in seventh grade, my vice principal at Lowell Scott gave me a book called 93 Confirmed Kills hmm. about Carlos Hathcock. Can't do that anymore, by the way. I know, right? Can't do that. Like, yeah. Well, and the vice principal <laughs> called my mom. I was like, hey, is it okay if I give uh, your seventh grader this book about this guy in Vietnam that just like slayed souls? Like held the most records for like confirmed kills. She's like, oh yeah, it's good. <laughs> Sounds like a good idea. Dude, I read that book in a day. And then I just knew when I read that book, I was like, all right. My sole purpose in life is to become a Marine Corps sniper. And I've got to do this. You change your last name to Swagger? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's see. From there to, you know, we'll fast forward to, you know, going through high school. Uh, always went and hung out in the Marine Corps recruiting office. Knew for sure from like age 12, like I'm going to be a United States Marine. So you get up in through high school and, you know, it comes down to like, you know, being 18 I've got the opportunity to join, and the Marine Corps recruiter at the time was just an absolute dick, and he was known for messing people's contracts up, and my mom also was like, you know, go look at all the other branches of service. I was like, yeah, um, I want to be a Marine, Mom, but like, okay, cool, go look at all these other branches of service. <laughs> so talk to the Army, I skipped over the Air Force, went and talked to the Navy guys, that lasted about 15 minutes, and then went back into the Marine Corps office, and the guy who was, like, known for screwing up people's contracts he called me in his office like, you know what? He's like, I've been seeing you talk to all the other recruiters, and I never thought you'd be a Marine, and you'd make a horrible Marine, yada, yada, yada. And I just flat out told this, like, full-grown man at 18, like, this is a like a staff sergeant in the Marine Corps, like mid-30s, <laughs> yeah. you know, knows how to kill me with his pinky fingers. And at 18, I was just, like, straight up like, fuck you, dude. Yeah, go like, fuck you yourself. don't think I'm going to join the Marine Corps? All right, cool. Because – at that age, I was like, you're doing this reverse psychology BS on me. Like, oh, I'll tell him he's not going to be a Marine and this, that, and he'll join. And I was just like, all right, screw you. And then I went to their Army recruiting office. It's like, hey, I want to join. And they had a delayed option program to where the, your junior year of high school, as soon as you finished that and it was your summer before your senior year, you left and you went to basic training for the Army. And then you came back, completed your senior year, and then as soon as you graduated, then you went to your A school Oh, wow. For the army. <laughs> so I did that and then, you know, uh, joined as a combat engineer. So my entire senior year of high school, I was like one week in a month and two weeks in the summer. I was out learning how to blow things up and drive armored. How do you, around. how do you focus as a senior in high oh, school? You don't. In class? Are you I came back from army <laughs> oh basic. No and way. I gave, You're there with a bunch of children. I'm like, motherfucker, you know what zero, I did this weekend? I, I gave zero effort <laughs> in high school. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I just got a taste of the outside world. Like, high school's not where it is. Like, yeah. hey, guys. Uh, deuces. Like, this is lame. <laughs> I even got called into the vice principal's office, and she's like, I just want to let you know that 
you are a trained soldier and you cannot get in any fights in high school. I'm like, well, that's probably a pretty good idea since You're I went through like some line right. training. I'm like, <laughs> goddamn right, I yeah. I don't even need brass knuckles, ma'am. <laughs> I could mess so, up yeah, then a she dude. Sh- and so, then I know I saw this one. And then she shoved all the paperwork off her desk and she climbed all the different. No, oh, we're not going there. That's oh, a different podcast. Okay, different. Okay, different. I don't. Have, I don't have that music. <laughs> I don't have it. No, no. Does it sound like this? <laughs> More like that. Is that the- <laughs> that's what it sounds like. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't mean, know what I heard. Like. That's what oh. it sounds like. Yeah, I heard that's what it sounds like. So, anyways, <laughs> play the dream music back again. Uh, right, we're sorry. back in time again. I'm sorry. Okay, back to his back. back there. So then I uh, graduated high school, went through combat engineer school, learned how to, you know, blow things up. And I love that combat engineer. Like, what do you do? <laughs> blow things blow up. I uh, blow things up. God, damn. see that bridge right there? I yeah. can tell you how to blow it. I yep. can blow it up. Kind of like uh, Kelly's Heroes. Mm. He's like, hey, Moriarty. He's like, knock it off with them negative waves, man. The bridge is there. <laughs> and the bridge gets blown up. And it's like, damn it, Moriarty. <laughs> That's a great The name. negative waves. <laughs> anyway, so I digress. So go through engineer school, uh, come back, and I'm just an absolute, you know, 19-year-old degenerate. You know, bought my first house at 19, was working at Costco, started making a lot of really poor life decisions, moved to Las Vegas. That's great decision. The, the center of <laughs> yeah. good decisions. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. The I'm just epicenter go- of great decisions. I'm going to go live with my cousin in Las Vegas and work at Genius. a Ford dealership with a bunch of mechanics. Genius. Yeah. After you, know, you really learned decision. how to blow shit up. Okay. So then I got in trouble in Las Vegas. <laughs> what? 19. I figured out how you could drink in casinos underage. Because mm-hmm. you know how they leave those glasses around on the yeah. outside mm-hmm. the casinos? Mm-hmm. Did you just grab one of those? Fill it up with ice, put like a McDonald's Coke in it, and then you've got essentially what looks like a cocktail, and you just walk around with that in the casino. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, get and on they the just reserve you, yeah. Yeah. Because you've already been served, yeah. Genius. So anyways, like I said. I <laughs> That's got, engineering. I, I, I got, <laughs> it's the engineering. I learned that in yeah, the army. I learned uh, being an engineer. <laughs> so I uh, got in trouble, moved back up here, was homeless for a little bit, living on couch surfing on people's couches. So I guess technically I wasn't homeless. I was just living in other people's homes. You were homeless, but other people had homes. Yeah, other people had homes, but I was like. You were just, right. a, you were just a visitor. <laughs> Hashtag freeloader. Um, <laughs> so did that. And at that point in life, you know, I kind of br- bridges with parents. Where like my dad was like, nope, you're not living with me. And my mom was like, nope, you're not living with me. So Smart like, decisions on both ends. Oh, on both ends. So <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, cool. Tough love. Like this has to happen. So... With that happening, I put in for an inter-service transfer. So I transferred from the Army Reserves to the active duty Marine Corps. And then that's when... That's a slight change. Oh, huge change. (laughs) Because typically people go from the Marine Corps to the Army, not the Army to the Marine Corps. Because, you know, you go through like 10 weeks of basic training in the Army. And then Marine Corps is 13 weeks of training. It's more, Trevor. Army basic training. 13 is bigger than 10. Mm -hmm. Alligator. By three weeks. Like oh, season shit. three, episode one. Episode one. So. <laughs> I'm going to turn your mic down. Army, <laughs> Army basic training in Marine Corps boot camp. Okay. Army basic training, Girl Scout camp. 
Marine Corps boot camp, seventh level of hell. <laughs> Not even kidding you. Like it absolutely, completely transformed my entire life. So with going through, you know, that huge transition there, then while going through Marine Corps boot camp, I halfway through Marine Corps boot camp, I found out I was going to be a dad. Surprise! Surprise! And then the crowd but, went. But like, not only did I find out that I was going to be a dad. Oh, Good job! Good no. job! Yeah. That's not what they said. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, not so much. Oh well. I'll, the letter yeah. came, man. Oh. <laughs> he opened the letter. I opened the letter. Yeah, I uh, found out I was going to be a dad, and it was. I got received the letter, and then seven days later, I got the Red Cross message that my daughter was born. So it was kind of one of those things of like, okay, wow, like we got to grow up real quick right now. And, you know, when you're going through Marine Corps boot camp, it's just, you know, 24 hours a day. Like if you're not sleeping, you're training. And it's just a very intense environment because, I mean, they're training you to be a warfighter. You know, this is, you know, the the Army has its, its place and I'm glad I served in the Army. But like where my pride lies is like I'm I'm a Marine. Yeah. Like I was a soldier, but I am a Marine. Yeah. And, you know, getting that letter really, like I said, transformed my entire life around to where then it was the first time in my life, you know, being 19 years old or no, 20 years old and like, okay, I now have to think about something other than myself, you know? So it was just like, all right, no more being a self-centered little turd, you know, 20 year old. <laughs> it's, you know, it's time to, it's, like manhood's beginning right now. So graduated Marine Corps boot camp, came back home, held my kid for the first time when she was a month and a half old. Uh, you know, it was an ex-girlfriend of mine. And, you know, just kind of being like raised the way I was, you know, I felt like it was the right thing, you know, for us to, um, you know, get married because I didn't want someone else to raise my own kid. But it was also one of those things that I really loved and cared for this person. Mm-hmm. And we ended up spending, you know, 14 years together. Um, unfortunately, it didn't completely work out. And, uh, you know, later down the road, ended up getting divorced. But with going through that, it just really changed things. And it even can change my entire path in the Marine Corps to where when I went through the Marine Corps combat training, once you finish that, they give you your, your MOS, your military occupation specialty. And my entire goal was to become a Marine Corps sniper, go to reconnaissance, go to special operations, go that path. And I had actually joined Open Contract because at the time of joining, it was right after September 11th with mm. my transfer. So all infantry slots in the Marine Corps were closed. So I knew the master gunnery sergeant up here at the recruiting office. And he told me, hey, go Open Contract. By the time you get done with boot camp and this and that, things will be opened back up. I know the headquarter Marine Corps monitor. And, you know, we can pull some strings to who you work know. things out. Yeah, who you know. Mm-hmm. So get through MCT, everybody's getting their orders, and, you know, they're like, hey, PFC Hill, we, we don't have orders for you, you need to go see the monitor. So I go into the headquarters Marine Corps monitor's office, and he just calls me, he's like, hey, he's like, you're Master Gun Devers guy from Boise, I've had some talks with him, and, you know, like, we can send you to the School of Infantry right now, I can set up Scout Sniper School, Recon and Doc, and this and that after you complete, you know, the School of Infantry, and he's like, you know, just tell me what you want to do, and... Like, he even turned the computer screen around and told me, he's like, you know, this is what you're eligible for right now for MOS. And I just asked him, I was like, you know, hey, Master Guns, I have a month-and-a-half-old baby that I was not planning on coming into my life, and I really want to be a dad. And 
like sitting there with him, I was like, you know, you've been in the Marine Corps for, you know, 20 some odd years. What advice would you give me? And he just looked at me just straight face. And he's like, well, he's like, the path you want to go is not going to enable you to be a dad. I was like, All right. Well, what would you recommend? And he told me, he's like, I recommend that you be an admin clerk. Like talk about. <laughs> That's a little bit different. Polar opposites. You know what I mean? <laughs> and you said, like, I'm sorry, what'd you say? Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, oh man. But you know what? I, I felt like it was a, it was a crossroads. Um, and I think those, there's those moments as a man that you, you know, when you're at a crossroad moment. And I think those are the moments that really make you a man. And like, I just looked at it and I was like, you know what? Go ahead and sign me up to be an admin clerk. And it's just like my boyhood dream from age 12 yeah. to where I'm sitting as a Marine. And like my dream is right there in front of me. Sir, can you serve that humility up in a cupcake? Yeah. To go. You know, and it was a it was a very tough pill to swallow, but it was one of those things of where it's like, no, I'm going to do this. You know what I mean? Because it's like this isn't about me anymore. It's a you know about the the woman that I asked for her hand in marriage and the child that I had with her, mm-hmm. and like this is it. You know, so I went that route. I hated every ounce of it because I was just doing something that I didn't want to do, but despite that sacrifice and it's like looking back on it now and like seeing sacrifices over the years, you never really like that sacrifice that you make. But what's funny is somehow those little sacrifices that you make totally come back around and you get paid back tenfold, mm-hmm. you know? So I decided to go to admin school. I uniquely enough got stationed with an infantry unit uh, well, first I was with a regiment, or what do they call it? Regimental Personnel Administrative Center, an RPAC, and hated every minute of that. And then the first opportunity I got to go to one of the infantry units to go be an admin clerk in their S1. I was like, yep, oh, <laughs> I'll, I'll go there. Like, I'm more comfortable over there. Uh, but the unique thing was is going to there, then working under a battalion commander and a sergeant major and under a bunch of officers. And mind you, when I went through high school, I failed typing class, right? (laughs) I joined the Marine Corps, go to admin school, get to this infantry unit. I'm typing like 45 to 50 words per minute. It's like the Marine Corps is like, you want a typing class straight up. Go to the Marine Corps. A Marine typer. And I know how to type. I know how to shoot. I'm sorry. Did you say Marine sniper? No. No. Marine Marine typer. (laughs) That's a good one. I like it. Resume, so, resume material. Yeah, no, 100%. But the, what I didn't, like looking back on like where I'm at now, which we'll get there, but looking back on that moment of like making that decision of in, you know, four years being in the Marine Corps, not doing anything that I wanted to do. But the thing was, is that I got to work around and see amazing leaders. I got to see a lot of really shitty leaders. I got to, you know, just be like sit in these, you know, meetings that were, you know, preparing, you know, huge movements and, you know, legal actions and, you know, dealing with service record books and just dealing with a lot of leadership to where I like, I didn't realize it at the time what that was preparing me for, but I just got to see how things were done and and operated. Well, and different view, viewpoints, completely the 50,000 foot versus the ground level. Yeah. So it's like, rather than being, you know, like I was one of the guys on ground level, but every so often I got to be brought up to 50,000 feet to where, you know, I can had a better understanding of like right. what was going on strategy you know, f- with the unit 
Right. Just because I got to see it from that that level, which a lot of employees don't understand. Like, okay, I'm the owner of this business. This is, you know, you don't know what I know because you're not privy to this information. <laughs> right. So, like, you in all rally, you need to listen to what I say. And this is funny that I say this because I was that one Marine that was like, excuse me, sir, why are we doing it this way? I don't understand. Why, why aren't we doing it this way? But Which, that curiosity, though, having the balls oh, to have that curiosity. Yeah, you don't know how much trouble you get in the Marine Corps. But here's the thing, curiosity, though. Curiosity but kills the cat. Did the great, nine lives. Did the great leaders, though, you've got shitty leaders and you've got great leaders. The great leaders recognize curiosity and they feed it. Because at the end of the day, you really do want to know the answer. Why do we do that? Why? How can we do it this way? Explain to me so that I can understand that. There's, there's a, I think a raw thing that is in people that curiosity. I really do want to know. I'm not challenging your authority. I want to know where's your head. What's the strategy? Why is the strategy that way? Teach me, mm-hmm. so that fast forward 10, 20 years down the road, I can be the guy that's sitting at fifty thousand feet making those calls because I understood the groundwork of what the strategy was. Yeah. And it, I was the same kid. I almost got fired multiple times because I'm like, how come we don't do it this way? Yeah. And they're like, if you just do what I say. And I'm like, but I really want to know why. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't work in the Marine Corps. I know. My, uh, that's that's my, my, it's uh, more of a parental, I, that's because I told you so. Yeah. It's like my, your dad said, I told you so. My oh, first sergeant multiple times called me into his office and he's like, Corporal Hill, <laughs> let me tell you something. So there's a Marine Corps alphabet. And the one letter that doesn't exist in that alphabet is a Y. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, well, sir, yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> sir, yes, sir. I was always that guy where they'd be like, they'd give a big brief and be like, does anybody have any questions? And I would raise my hand and all my sergeants and superior officers be like, oh, shit, what's that going to happen? You know how much money was made on that, though? On the bets of oh, whether are you or not. Me? I'm the reason why there's probably so many rules in different companies. Yeah. Are you? Oh, dude. HR department. Oh, hi. Oh, God. Trevor's here. That's the hill factor. Trevor's here. Yeah, the hill factor. <laughs> the hill factor. I love it. We had a guy, we would take over under bets on how long it would take him to interrupt our staff meetings with a question. Yes. And he was that guy, too. And it was, I was always the collector of the cash. It was like a dollar <laughs> in. Hand it up. Hand it up. Hand it up. Who do you think? I'm going to go it up. three minutes, 13 seconds. Oh, I hate to say it, dude. I was always, I was that guy. Always, always. But then it would be fun because, you know, like being over in Iraq and be like, excuse me, sir. So I'm just curious, have we thought of doing it like this? And then I would get in trouble and end up filling sandbags for like two, three hours. But then it was funny because in the amount of time I was filling sandbags, I was actually more productive than they were. And in that time period, they ended up doing it the way that I said to do it in the first place. So I was like, well, at least I got to fill some But think about it. Think about it this way. Good work. How many people don't have the courage to ask the question why? Because let's say that you are a prodigy genius and you just recognize certain things and patterns and you're like, have you guys ever thought about doing it this way? Yeah. There's times where... Like, I want to be open in terms of a manager or a supervisor. I want to have a relationship. And this is not military, right? Yeah. But I want to be able to be open to stuff like that business-wise, strategy-wise, marketing-wise, how I do things where I can let, <laughs> let that idea sink in and go, yes, that's, a, that's actually a good idea. I don't like this part of it, but that might be a good idea. Or that's a stupid idea. You're an, oh, yeah. You're an idiot, and here's why you're an idiot. But it's a teaching moment, Right. Teachable moments. That's lots of those. I have lots of those. <laughs> if, Somehow if you my life story 
would be <laughs> that's your the, teachable the, moments. That's the title of your the book. autobiography of Trevor Hill. <laughs> Trevor Hill, teachable, teachable moments. moments. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome! I'll buy that book. Yeah, I'll I'll buy. I buy that book. It took him 20 years to write it. <laughs> because of procrastination. I was talking about your typing speed. <laughs> so you somehow survive. Somehow the, they didn't kill you in the Marines. Like no. You, you, uh, like, with your questions. Even on deployment. You did, you did. Yeah. It's like, we didn't kill this guy. You're like, how did that happen? Yeah. So you come back. Come back, get out of the Marine Corps. And... Like that's a, that's a bit of a struggle for veterans. Like you get out of the military, especially being in the Marine Corps, like, because like you're a Marine, like I'm not in the Marine Corps anymore. I'm still a Marine mm -hmm. and I have a huge Eagle Globe and Anchor tattooed on the center of my chest, like gung-ho, the G.I. Joe figure, favorite G.I. Joe. But God, that is amazing. Yeah. Gung-ho was one of my favorites and Snake yeah. Eyes. Mm -hmm. But if you walk around like Snake Eyes all day, you couldn't, yeah, cut, you couldn't cut hair. No, I couldn't. That would be kind of weird. That would be weird. Like, why is this guy wearing a snake eyes costume and cutting my <laughs> Don't hair? Don't mess with him. He's got swords. He's, he's a straight he's, razor. He's cutting my hair with katanas. <laughs> Katana. They're and, sharp. And, a lot of folded and, steel. And nunchucks. Yeah, num. Nunchucks. Anyways, I'm sorry. What, what was your question? No, I'm just saying. So you came out. You came out. You got. Not so you were in four yeah. years. Yep. Okay. So you come out. You're trying to make that transition. Oh, yeah. So you get out. You're completely lost. Just, you know, because for four years, you've just been, go do this, eat this, mm -hmm. be here at this time. Stop asking why. <laughs> Stop asking why, Hill. <laughs> yeah. Stop asking why. It's like, oh, civilian world. I can ask why. <laughs> so, so then uh, get out. Uh, Shannon, what did I do when I got out? Five. Oh, yeah. I got hired directly onto uh, being a Ada County Patrol Deputy. Mm. Yeah. How'd that go? Well, let's just say I'm not with Ada County. <laughs> <laughs> no. So here's here's how it goes. So I, 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 that's the greatest oh, answer. Oh yeah. No, one hundred percent. My, I am I am successful now because I fucked up so much. <laughs> it was just like uh, uh, Gary V or no? Not is it Gary V? I don't know. Gary V or somebody. I'm pretty sure it might be Gary V. Um, you just, or, or maybe, um, or maybe it's Ted Kennedy. I don't know. Either one of those two guys. <laughs> they get mistaken a lot. I know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 I totally confuse the two of them all the time. Um, well, I just remember somebody saying like fail fast and fail, like fail fast and fail like as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Fail and, forward. And maybe. as fast as you can. Yeah. Cause the more you fail. The like you're gonna you know, like learn so you knocked out that part of it. Oh, <laughs> accelerated program. Um, <laughs> let's just say I was in the accelerated learning program. <laughs> oh, the failure. accelerated failure program. Accelerated failure program. <laughs> Put those initials so, behind you. <laughs> yeah. Name on a business card. So you become a sheriff. Or a no, I, sheriff. I, I was commissioned. Commissioned. Okay. So I'm going through the police academy. Mm -hmm. Doing a stellar job. Mm-hmm. And while I'm going through there, there's this other guy that's going through the academy. Total piece of shit. Mm. So there happened to be a lady that worked at the jail at Ada County. She was also an instructor, and she confused this guy with me. Oh, right? Shit. So she was constantly going back to the department and being like, oh, this guy's like that new guy you have is a piece of shit and this and that. Meanwhile, I'm like passing law week with a 98. I'm like one of the top shooters. My 
you know, physical fitness tests are like spot on, driving tests, like good to go. I have no idea that this lady's dragging my name through the mud because <laughs> she has me confused as this other guy. I'm not even kidding you. Like this finally came back to me like, well, anyways, we'll, we'll keep going with the story. So this guy, who's the absolute piece of shit, he ends up getting kicked out of the academy, right? So I'm still there, but... This guy's gone. All I can hear yeah. is police get. Dun, 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 oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wish that guy was a big. That's so awesome. What <laughs> happened so to him? No, Let's go, man. So, going through the academy, and then we're like two, three weeks away from graduating. And we're out on the shooting range. Now, mind you, I had only been out of the Marine Corps for about one week. I was out of the Marine Corps for one week, went into the post academy. Now, mind you, I had been in a Marine Corps infantry unit for, you know, three years. A got few the, rounds fired? Yeah. <laughs> and then get out of the Marine Corps, been out of the Marine Corps for a week, went right in the police academy, go through the police academy. So I'm still in like Marine Corps mindset. You know? mm-hmm. Maybe not the most politically correct. <laughs> but we're out on the shooting range. You know, like, you know, you do shots at seven yards from a target. Seven yards. Like, yeah. you should be able to hit this target. There happened to be a female. Can I say female? Or is that okay? Or do I need to say? They, what, I think we call the, them they. But what did, okay, they. It's whatever they determine. Okay, so they. Um, no, I'm not gonna. Do that. Uh, I'd say Anyways, it's a, so this female, a non-penis. This wow, that's even better. Uh, so, anyways, <laughs> I'm not sure what to say. I'm just gonna be old school with this. I'm just gonna say a female. Be true to you. Okay, a yeah. female officer was. We're all shooting on the you know seven yard line, and she shoots at the target, and it looked like somebody had a shotgun blast. <laughs> like there's no grouping or anything like that. And I'm like, okay, like whatever. So we go back. You know, you go to like you know. 15-yard line, 10-yard line, like whatever, different yard marks. And we're finally, we're back at the 25-yard line. And I lean over to another uh, recruit going through the post academy. I'm like, hey, man. I was like, so-and-so is going to be lucky to hit the target at 25-yard line. And we both chuckled. Not a big deal. Like, I'm not demeaning anyone. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be lucky to hit the target. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, all pretentious like and stuff. Wow. That's a good one, huh? That was yeah. really good. Thank you. Did you practice that? I did. Oh, in the mirror. On the toilet. I like it. Yeah, it was a good evil laugh. It was. So you both evil laughed. So we both evil laughed. That picture. She overheard us, went in tattled. Officer Karen did? Officer Karen, yes. Officer Karen. So Karen could not hit a target worth a darn. She could She could probably have thrown her gun at the target and not hit it. Right. Let's just say it's yeah. that bad. Yeah. So we make this comment, and then all of a sudden, I get pulled in to the office. Yikes. Again. It's not the first time I got called into an <laughs> office to get corrected. You're like, about time. I'm like, well. This feels like home. This, uh... <laughs> I was expecting this to happen a lot sooner. Yeah. Some a lot, a lot of people lost some money on that bet. Yeah, right. So with that, I uh, I got a I got a demerit. You didn't start off. Congratulations! With, I got a demerit slip. This is new for me, but and uh, why did you call me in? I'm like, why? Why are you calling me in? No, but uh, you know, just one of those things. That just it happened. 
And I was like, yeah, you know, I said that. Like, I'm not going to own up to something I didn't say. <laughs> did you see your shoot? shoot? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> I don't know. You really? may want to like, check her target. Like, like you, you could probably reuse the you, target. You, you were there on the shooting range with me, right? <laughs> right. I'm like, not the only did, one. Okay. You did see her shoot, right? Um, so, yeah, got in trouble, you know, did the right thing, called up my lieutenant. I was like, hey, I got in trouble today. Here's what happened. Yada, yada, yada. He's like, okay, you know, we'll, we'll talk to you tomorrow or whatnot. Dude comes out two days later and is like, excuse me, but you know what? We just can't have somebody on the department that's going to say things like this. So I need your badge. So I was like, what? I'm like, this is like a cop movie. I've already, like, I haven't even been a cop yet. And I had the lieutenant, like, give me your gun and give badge. <laughs> like, right now, I was like, wow. I haven't even, like, been in a cop like, car yet. Bitch, I'm like Eddie Murphy right now. Like, I'm like, Dude. I'm like Eddie Murphy in Beverly Hills Cop. Like, Axel Foley right now. <laughs> this is incredible. I just got Axel Foley. Bam. You're welcome. So, yeah. So, uh, that happened. That's called, so, a, that's called a door closing. And <laughs> that no, was my see, time with the Ada County Sheriff's <laughs> Department. <laughs> exactly. The good see, Lord said, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Precisely, my friend. I'm not even kidding you. So... We go through all that stuff, and I'm like, all right, well, cool. And it, what sucked even more is, like, right before Christmas, too, and I was like, oh, man, I got to go tell my wife that <laughs> I'm not going to be a cop. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, this is going to go well. Merry Christmas. So yeah, then I just kind of worked a bunch of odd jobs, uh, ended up getting on with, a like, a IT company and hated every minute of that. Like, I just kept going into these jobs where I'm just like, oh my God, this sucks. <laughs> and then, like, I kid you not, and I don't tell the story very often, but, like, becoming a barber, so, you know, at the Ada County stuff, worked a bunch of odd jobs, you know, just being this just lost person trying to find their path, and, like, no shit, I seriously prayed out to God, universe, whatever's out there, and I was like, you know, like, and I, for probably a month and a half, Two months, and I was just like, lead me to my path, lead me to my calling, you know, and I kid you not, man, I was at work one day, and I just heard something in my head that wasn't my conscious thought, and all I heard was a voice that just said, be a barber. You know what it sounded like? Hey, mijo. It was Sam Elliott. <laughs> it was Sam it was Elliott. Sam Elliott. Yeah. Sam Elliott came in and said, hey, mijo. mijo, be a barber. Be a barber. Be a barber, mijo. Yeah, be a barber, mijo. <laughs> I love That's that. some crazy shit. Yeah. So, Were you on drugs at the time? No, 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 not at all. Were you so drunk? It, it, no, it gets even crazier. So I hear that, and I mean, like I said, well, I mean, now Sam Elliott, are you in the room? <laughs> what Sam the Elliott, are you there? <laughs> no, but I kid you not. Like I, I heard that, and I was like, okay, and sitting at my computer and looked up a barber college and took a fifteen minute break and called him on my cell phone. I was like, hey, I'm interested in becoming a barber. I was curious if I can use my GI Bill. And the guy on the phone started chuckling. And he's like, hey, I'm not laughing at you. I'm just laughing at the fact that you're calling me and asking me this question because I just got off the phone not more than five minutes ago with the VA, and they just told me that I can accept the GI Bill. <laughs> oh, oh, this is the VA. Yeah. Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott. <laughs> Sam Elliott has spoken to Trevor. And, uh, that is amazing. I, yeah. Hey, no, you guys it, accept super the nuts. GI Bill, mijo. Yeah, you know, accept the GI Bill. No, but I kid you not, like, like no bullshit. That happened, and then... You know, fast forward to now, I mean, like, here I am in my 14th year being a barber. That's great. Like, so, I mean, 
There was nothing, like literally nothing. Dude, are you kidding me? I went to my parents and everyone in my family. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go to barber college because I'm going to be like, a barber. And everybody's what? looking at me like, wait, you, you want to do what? Your dad puts on the brass knuckles. He's like, come here, son. Come here, son. I'm going to beat some sense into you. Yeah. No, dad, really. it's my no. dream. Yeah. Sam Elliott told me to. <laughs> Sam Elliott told me to be a barber. <laughs> Yeah, no, like absolutely no bullshit. And you were saying, so like, and here's, we'll start transitioning and segueing into the, uh, the different, like said the, the barber thing. You told me, I can't remember what you said, like the, as far as the hours and training it takes to be a barber versus like a hairstylist or whatever, right? Isn't there like a difference in the. Uh, 900 hours for a barber and like 1800 hours for a stylist. Oh, is that what it is? But they do like color hair and perms. Right. And yeah. So like a barber, so like you were saying, like I was surprised it was the eight hundred hours. Like I was blown away. Like I'm like, really? That's how much you got? That's a lot of shit. Hours, yeah. He has a straight razor. Sanitation. I don't want it. like a. Yeah, I was in here for eighteen yeah. hours. I'll him shave my neck with a straight razor. And there's few things. I'm in sure the world. it's crossed his mind. No, <laughs> yeah, actually, duct tape around. You're like mouth. I could kill him right now. I could kill him. He'd, sh- he'd shut up. Nope, it wouldn't Maybe work. Not. <laughs> it wouldn't. Maybe not. Holy it shit, we cut his head off and he's still talking. The head like, is still talking. This, Jesus Christ. This guy's name's Trevor. <laughs> there can only be one. <laughs> you cannot die, McLeod. <laughs> so how do you, so you come out of barber school, what's the first job? First job, went to Fred's Real Barbershop off Marion Road. I was going to say, a barber? <laughs> I mean, I was, it's kind of self-explanatory. Sorry, sorry. But I appreciate the question, Trevor. So, so, so you came out of barber school. And then, so you graduated barber college. What was your what first did, job? I went to work at McDonald's. Well, I mean, I spent 900 hours learning this craft. Obviously, I just figure, oh, I'm going to get a job at McDonald's. I dabbled in gynecology. Uh, <laughs> just on the side. More of like a side thing. Gynecologist. They call it a hustle. So you go to work at some other Yahoo named Fred's barbershop. You just like walk. I mean, how do you, I, I don't even know. Like, you just, barbershop, like, it's still not, there's not a ton of them back then, at least. It seems like it's getting a little more popular now. But, like, like how do you just, like, hey, I want to be a barber? There's not a lot of barber shops. So I mean, just the fact you're able to do that. So you just walked in, found that guy. Hey, yeah, I, I want to like, be a barber. Is there any guys, chance you guys are hiring? Because because my first barbershop job was technically at the Desert Fox over here off of Main Street. Uh, yeah. But I didn't like the lady there. She was not she, nice. She was mean to you? Yeah, she was mean to me. She made me go cry in the bathroom. Her name Karen? No. She a really shitty shot, too? Crack. No, I'm actually not going to say her name. But <laughs> she might. Anyways, she might so I go over to Fred's, and what's funny <laughs> is all the guys over at Fred's, they actually worked with the lady, and they're like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, no, that's not good. Yeah, the bonding and moment with them. He's like, you know what? Hey, we can, you know, bring you on over here. And then it's like, that's where, like, I really cut my teeth as a barber. Like, Fred and Aaron and Mark were phenomenal barbers. They still are. And, uh, you know, they just taught me, like, the ways of, like, barbering. I mean, the, all those guys are super seasoned. And it was fun work with those guys. And... The funny thing, like, there's tons of funny stories from over there. So when I first started cutting hair over there, I hated cutting little kid hair. We're just like, oh, my God, a little kid. Like, they scream, they squirm. I still do that sometimes. Yeah, like, it's horrible. 
But Fred caught me. He saw it like a kid would walk in. I would like ditch out to the bathroom or the break room. I'm like, like explosive diarrhea. Be right back. Oh, I have to take like a 20 minute piss. Yeah. But then he caught me doing that. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. I see what you're doing. He's like, you have to cut every single little kid. Like none of us are going to cut little kid haircuts anymore. There we go. So that's where I learned the baptism by fire, the art of Zen and patience by cutting children hair. And like, he just coached me on a lot of things. There was little tiny things of just learning the attention to detail from Fred. Um, You know, like when you're running clippers up someone's head and there's sometimes the clippers don't get all the hairs and there'll be little tiny hairs. And he would just look at my haircuts and he would never correct me in front of people in the shop. It would be one of the things like, Hey, Trev, come talk to me. And he'd take me to the back and be like, Hey dude, He's like, that last haircut was completely garbage. He's like, you don't do that in my shop. And he would just kind of coach me on like what to do. So that was a lot of fun and just working with those guys. And then I was splitting my time at the barbershop with another guy. And then, um, cause his wife had cancer at the time and then, uh, he left the shop and then decided all of a sudden that he was going to come back to the shop full time. So all of a sudden I was going to need to find a new job. This was right in 2007, 2008, or it was right at the end, getting towards the end of 2008, like right when the economy, like the barbershop wasn't doing well, but uh, he needed to come back. And what's funny is we always met for breakfast in the morning and the same morning that I was getting ready to tell them that I was going to you know, leave the shop was the same morning that uh, one of the guys was coming in to tell me like, hey, you need to find a new job. And I was like, wow, this magically worked out great. Strangely enough, Trevor, Sam Elliott called and said... <laughs> It's time for you to go. Exactly. So I ended up uh, leaving the barbershop and he came back full time. And then I left the barbershop and went to work as a military contractor for Blackwater. So I went over to Afghanistan and I took all my barber stuff with me and, you know, doing Blackwater contractor work over in Afghanistan, (laughs) but then also cutting everybody's hair where I was like, well, I got to stay up on my craft. Uh You know, did that for nine months, came back. And, you know, then again, lost because, you know, you go into that military mindset and, you know, running missions and kind of being just in that, you know, day to day schedule that's just absolutely set for you. And then coming back, just being completely lost, being really jacked in the head, um, you know, just because you've been in a war environment and you're coming back to the civilian world. And, uh, yeah, just real lost and, you know, went back to barbering. And, you know, still dealing with stuff in my head and not dealing with, you know, stuff in my head the right way and drinking a lot and smoking a ton of weed just to like, you know, smoke weed during the day to, you know, feel somewhat normal and just numb out and then drinking at nighttime to fall asleep at night just because of dealing with post-traumatic stress. And then I ended up getting a DUI in 2009 and wrecked my motorcycle without a helmet on at like 40 miles an hour, not a scratch on me. And I kind of felt like that was, you know... Good Lord's way of saying, like, hey, dude, you're not, you know, being productive in your life right now. And, you know, like, you need to get your shit together. So Mm -hmm. then from that point, that was kind of like connecting up with the VA and, you know, still barbering, but connecting up with the VA and, like, really going through, uh, like, the the healing process of, like, coming back and dealing with all the stuff of being in Iraq and being in Afghanistan. And from that, you know, uh, that was in 2009. And then in 2010, I decided, I was like, I'm going to open my first barbershop. So I did that, opened up my fir- first barbershop on $5,000 and, you know, did the flooring, did the walls, you know, I had buddies, you know, help me, you know, 
texture and paint and found some barber chairs and hand-built some mirrors and just kind of built a really bare-bones barbershop and on, you know, five grand, which I like to refer to that first barbershop as my $5,000 MBA program because, <laughs> man, I did yeah. everything wrong. Delition. Did everything wrong. But I did survive for about a year, and then that's when – uh, when I shut down that shop, that was like a, a real big pivotal moment of like just a massive like fallen, you know, flat on my face. And then from that point, you know, shut down that barber shop, went to college for a little bit. That wasn't working out. Started failing out of college. Uh, then, you know, my first marriage started falling apart. Uh, I almost killed myself in 2013. Had a noose around my neck in my garage and almost went through with it. Um, and then obviously I didn't. So that was a huge growth moment right there. And then I really started focusing on myself of like, all right, how am I going to feel my, like heal myself? Mm -hmm. So, you know, like I didn't want to take any meds. I didn't want to, you know, really go through groups. And I just fell into like yoga and meditation and, you know, figuring out my own stuff. And then, you know, started enrolled in college and was going through, you know, back through college again to, you know, work on, you know, something that business related, and then while going through college, marriage fully fell apart, got divorced, uh, still continued through college, um, you know, divorce happened, all that kind of stuff, met a, you know, new super rad, dude, my wife is rad, the new wife, not the practice wife, <laughs> but she's still a pretty rad person. Look. Practice wife, I like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm They're not, really like, you don't disrespect them, you know what I mean? No. Like, you did love them, right. you know what I mean? You learn a lot of things. Yeah, it was my practice. We all have one. You know, so uh, from, you know, getting divorced 2016, got remarried in 2018. Move uh, a shaker. Not yeah. a kid. Just fail fast, man. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you know, so, I mean, like, I graduated. So, like, got divorced in 2016, uh, got remarried in 2018, graduated college in 2018, uh, went back to barbering full-time 2019. It's a lot of paperwork. Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> so, but it was great because uh, my wife, Robin, she, like, when I graduated from college, it was one of those things where I, you know, I was like, well, I'm not going to go back to barbering. Like, I'm, you know, I'm going to try to blaze a new path. And she was like, you love barbering. Like, why would you ever leave it? Right. Like, you talk about it all the time. So she was like, just go back to barbering. And I was like, I'm not going to be a barber. I don't want to do this. And I was like, all right, I'll I'll give it six months and like just full blown found a barbershop here in Meridian, uh, B and J's barbershop, which B and J's, let's just talk uh, about a horrible mm. name for a barbershop. Rebrand. 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 Blowing jobs. Is a, uh -huh. that's the first thing that come to mind. I mean, yeah. you know, dirty. No, You'll yeah. be happy you came in. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, happy ending, please. Thank you. Went and cut hair there and about five month mark, uh, Decided to go to the Frontier Club. Uh, a family friend, Ryan Steinbroner, owns the Frontier Club. And I saw the building that we're in right now that we built Barclay and Hill in. And I was like, holy crap, this is like the best location ever. Went into the bar. Lo and behold, the bartender I've known for like 10 years. And I was like, hey, Dallas, what's happening? I was like, <laughs> who owns the building next door? And she's like, oh, Ryan Steinbroner just bought it. And I was like, no shit. <laughs> like, no shit. So then I get on the phone with my mother-in-law. And I was like, hey do you have Charlie's number, which is his dad? So I connect up with his dad and I was like, hey, uh, can I get Ryan's number? He's like, yeah, of course. So I call Ryan up. I was like, hey, Ryan. He's like, this is Trevor, Stu and Sandy's son-in-law. 
He's like, oh, what's up, man? I was like, hey, heard you bought the building next door to the Frontier Club. What's your plans with it? He's like, oh, I'm going to build a whiskey bar. I was like, no kidding. I was like, do you remember a year ago? Because I met Ryan at a tailgate. And he was talking about being a bar owner. I was talking about being a barber. I was like, man, I've always had the idea of building a bar in a barber shop. Like just nonchalant conversation, nothing intended with it. So then fast forward a year later from that tailgate conversation, I'm talking around on the phone. I was like, hey, what are you doing with the building? He's like, I'm building a whiskey bar. I was like, no shit. I was like, what are you doing with the location next door? He's like, well, nothing right now. And I was like, do you, by any chance, do you remember a conversation we had at a tailgate about doing a bar in a barbershop? He's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> that is what Dreams just come yeah. true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so talk to him. And he's like, no, I don't remember that conversation, which probably because it's a tailgate and we've been drinking copious right. amounts of alcohol and rooting on mm-hmm. our mm-hmm. Boise State Broncos. Man. Boise State. Boise State. Anyways, we digress. Yeah. So he's like, why don't you just pitch it to me again? And so I told him my whole idea and he's like, all right, let's do it. So he drafted up like a lease agreement and gave him some money. And I was like, all right, let's do this. And then that was in like June of 2019. And then, you know, we took like five months for our building permits to go through and then everything started happening. And then we uh, built all this Ryan opened like right before COVID and then all of a sudden had to shut down and then I couldn't work for two months. So that gave me two months to just get the barbershop like super dialed, get the couch over from England, get the barber chairs all situated, getting the, you know, barber stations built and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, we were supposed to open on April 26th, but the governor like extended out the COVID stuff. And then we were, barbershops were allowed to open on May 16th, which was conveniently my 39th birthday. Well, well, well. Happy birthday. So then, bam, May 16th, we open up the doors to Barclay and Hill and show Powie. Show up. Yeah. Did you, so tell a little bit of the story about you're trying to figure out the name of the, that's kind of cool. So like Barclay and Hill. So when I found the place and talked to Ryan about, and I was like, all right, cool. Got a location now. Like Ryan's agreed, like we're going to do this. So that's when I went to my father-in-law. And, you know, Mr. Stu Barclay, mm-hmm. most badass man I've ever met in my life. <laughs> not kidding you. Like, my father-in-law, greatest man I've ever met. Mm. Like hands down. Big statement. You've met me and Jody. Well, second greatest man I've ever met. <laughs> Sorry, Stu takes the cake. He's badass. So wait, so, do we tie? Or I think so. Is one of us? Uh, I would say Jody, Jody's, like, fifth place. Mm-hmm. Because his name's Jody. But right. my real name, yeah. to clarify, is Joseph with an F. Oh, wow. So what is it? Jody or... Oh. With an F? With an F? You know how tough that is? Joseph. Joseph. Yeah. It's Russian. Makes sense. Good God. Go do your history. Anyway. Anyways. Some mean people. Thanks for interrupting, Joseph. Right. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I was just... Yeah, I hung up I on was it. just feeling a little bit out of the top... Three-ish. God, I need, so a, st- I need a drink. All Stu Barkley. Oh, this is almost gone. I know. I'm take a break. So, hit up my father-in-law. I'm like, yo, Stu. No, that's not at all what I did. I was like, hey, what's up, Pops? It's like, I've got a amazing location. I want to build a barbershop. Will you mentor me to build a great business? Because my father-in-law has got an MBA, started a company from scratch, and... Looks like we got some fans outside oh, yeah. the, the window. Put them Hello. against the glass. Put them against the glass. Well, I get I get that a lot. There you go. 
That's not true. I made that up. <laughs> that doesn't really happen. Ever. So Stu's got an MBA. He started a company, I think, like 30-some-odd years ago that's very successful. And like, like I said, he's just a phenomenal human being. And he was a naval aviator in Vietnam, a uh, flight deck commander on the USS Hancock during Operation Frequent Wind, and just like a phenomenal leader. So I just went to him and I was like, can you help me do this? And he's like, yeah, 100%. And, you know, having gone through college at Boise State, I went through an entrepreneurship boot camp, uh, UCLA at the Anderson School of Business Man- Management, which is UCLA's MBA school. And, uh, you know, had a lot of, you know, different mentors through the years. So, I mean, I knew how to do things, but I just didn't know, like, the right order of doing it. So with having my father-in-law kind of just instruct me along the way, it just worked out really well where, you know, he's like, all right, he's like, go do a, a market analysis. So like I spent a whole day just analyzing the market, who my key demographic was, you know, who I wanted as a, you know, key clients for the place. And with that, you know, take that back to him. He's like, okay, now go do this, get it done, bring it back to him. Now go do this. And then, you know, finally came down to, he's like, you know, all right, do your budget. And one of the greatest things he told me about doing my budget, he's like, take into consideration the top five things that are the most important to your business. So for me, the top five things were, you know, the sound in the barbershop, the waiting area, the chairs, the stations in my branding and logo design. So that's culture, like, baby, culture. Yeah. It's like, all right. It's like, okay. And that's where a good majority of my budget went to. And, you know, it was just a huge immense help. You know, did my budget, brought it to him, and uh, he's like, all right. He's like, this looks good. And, you know, just worth working through those things and having his help. You know, I had a bunch of different names for the barbershop, and I told the family, you know, all these different names. But when it really came down to it, and I did a, a or let's see, the uh, Idaho Press Tribune did a newspaper article about us, and they asked me, what's the name of the barbershop? And I told him Barclay and Hill. Sounds good. Yeah. But I didn't tell anybody in the family. So then when the newspaper article came out, my father-in-law and mother-in-law oh, like, read the article. Perfect. Yeah. They read the article and it was great because when it came out, uh, we were up at uh, the family cabin and my mother-in-law calls me up and she's like, that is an incredible name for your barbershop. And she's like, I just have to tell you, you almost made your father-in-law cry. Which I was like, oh, man. Yes. What? I was like, this is awesome. But what an honor for him to be able to pour into you. Oh, or, or you have no idea, man. I mean, like that. Years of business knowledge. We talk about that like, all the time. He, in he, leadership. He obviously instilled that in you because what you said to me earlier tonight before we even got on air, you were talking about how with the taco truck or whatever, you know, like you want to pass on opportunities to other people. And that's what you want your legacy to be. And we, we talk about that on the podcast all the all time. The but, time. like, literally, you, he did that for you. Yeah. So now you have a drive to give back to other people, too. So now, well, like, he instilled that in you. Like, all well, right, I'm going to give back to people. I'm going to back to yeah. the taco truck, right? You know, he instilled that in me. And it's also one of those things of where, in my opinion, if you want to be successful and you're not giving – you're not going to be successful. Ding, 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 like, ding, ding. Like you 100%. cannot, like you have to continuously make tons of helpful deposits in other people's lives. Because if you're constantly taking from other people, 
then it's like, no, you're constantly taking withdrawals. Like you're not yep. depositing anything. Yep. Yep. And eventually when you just do enough of the right thing, I mean, I did plenty of the, enough of the wrong things in my life, you know, poor decisions in my previous marriage, you know, being an asshole, you know, all those kind of things. But learning from that, it's like now I have this incredible marriage. You know what I mean? Like making all these really poor, shitty decisions in my first barbershop. Now Huge. I have yeah. a very successful barbershop. And an awesome you know, couch. You know, all these little tiny things where it's like if you don't fail on your face right. and get back up and be like, oh, you know what? But that's, but that's it that right again. there. Though The key is getting back up. Getting back up. Right? Yeah. So the, the Roosevelt quote where he's like, hey, unless you're in the arena, yeah. shut your mouth. Yeah, exactly. That's a paraphrased version of his quote. Yeah. But, no, but exactly. the credit goes to the guy that's in the arena. And yeah. all the other criticism doesn't count because they're no. not in the arena. The, in the arena of business of failing and then getting back up and learning from it and growing from it and yeah. going and doing it again and doing it better. It happens in, I mean, parenting, in business, in marriage. The idea of failing forward. Yeah. Fail forward. Fail quickly, learn, step back up, and go. Yeah. Yeah. No, 100%. I mean, even having my... Uh, my uh, stepdad, Mike, he uh, always told me to just, you know, hey, man, like, you just, you have to get up. You have to work hard. Like, you, you there is no, you know, choice in these things. Right. You know, I mean, at age 16, my stepdad came into my room and was like, hey, congratulations. Happy birthday. He's like, you have until 5 o'clock this evening to come back home with a job by the time your mom has dinner on the table. <laughs> I was like, he's like, I pulled your bicycle out of the garage. Best of luck to you. See you later. Thanks, yeah. Mike. You know what I mean? And it's all these little tiny things where it's like, you know, my stepdad and I, God, dude, we did not get along. When I was a kid, it's like, he's one of my favorite people in the world now. Right. But it's like, God, I hated him as a but That's the kid. perspective yeah. of being Well, I didn't understand it. what I was being taught by him. Right. right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. And Well, but I mean, kudos to him for being willing to be unpopular. Oh, God. To teach you yeah. the lesson. And at the end of the day, sometimes as a supervisor, as a boss, as a dad, my job is not to be popular. My no. job is to mentor and grow and coach you to be the person that you can be. Well, let's just say whoever wins the popular vote shouldn't be the one in charge. Mm. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Too soon? Too soon? That's, is this thing on? Hello? I don't, can you even say too soon? <laughs> it's too soon to say too soon. I don't think it's too soon to say too Anyways, soon. Anyways, I digress. I think that... Uh, we're in a society and we talk about it. We have, so I, I haven't caught you up to speed on, on, you haven't listened to all of our podcasts yet. We got three seasons. You got to catch up on here. Two seasons. Anyways. Two seasons. This is, <laughs> but one of the, barking. one of the ongoing stories that we talk about is the story of the three legged deer, which is my own little issue I have with society where I think we, you're delicious. Have, <laughs> I haven't, <laughs> I haven't, uh, I, I feel like our society has got to a point where, you know, in the real world, out in, in, in a, you know, a herd of deer, three-legged deer is born. That's a tough break. That deer is going to get eaten, right? And the, the, the herd kind of, they, they try, but that deer is going to get eaten. They don't, they don't hold up, right? They take off and they get out of there for the betterment of the herd. Well, we're in a society now where basically three-legged deer are now surrounded by the herd. They're taken care of, and they're also hoisted to the front of the herd, and they make them better. And now the big stud, the 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 buck that was supposed to be the stud that was you know supposed to be populating the herd, now he's uh, 
what's the word the uh, toxic masculinity and now he's actually torn down and the three-legged deer now gets to go and reproduce and we actually give them government money and things like that but anyways <laughs> they seem to be way more fertile than the uh four-legged deer but I how that works yeah, I don't know how it works. But anyways, but it gets to a point where we try to make everything easier for people that are weak, right? Like, that's the thing. And I look back at, like, what your stepdad did and what people did. When we were all in that, like, you know, we all grew up with different, you know, in a different time. And, you know, we grew up with, with nothing. I mean, you know my brother. My brother, you know, comes in here, gets you cut his hair. We, you know, we had the, you know, one pair of jeans and the fucking off-brand shoes and the fucking, you know, government-assisted fucking lunch tickets you know yeah. the shit like that that we hated when we were in it but now as adults i mean over christmas we were sitting in my cabin in mccall and we're sitting there looking at each other and we've got our whole family up there and we're looking around and we're like who fucking would have thought yeah a couple fucking <laughs> holy yeah. jean wearing fucking no name shoe fucking government assisted lunch fucking motherfuckers would be sitting here with a fucking you know cabin in mccall talk about but it's what made us. Hard, and it was, it was hard times that, make great men. That's what made us. Like yeah. we don't give the a crucible. fuck about what other yeah. people think at this point. And the, you know, people want to know where I get my attitude from on that. I don't give a fuck, dude. I went through some hard shit, and I went through shit that nobody else would want to go through. And at the time, I didn't want to go through it either. But now I look back at it, I'm like, fuck. I'm so glad I went through it. And now I even have the challenge of like having a kid who's 17, who's awesome, but he doesn't know fucking hardship kids never wanted for anything in his life you know you should just go home right now and just tell your kid be like i'm done being your dad get out of here slap the shit out of him here's a pair (laughs) of jeans here's a t-shirt here's a warming layer i mean you cut his fucking mullet off yeah whoa 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 yeah you were the one trevor cut his mullet off yeah god damn it but he left a tail that was was it was awesome he did leave a tail. i love the rat tail idea He was not stoked on that red no, tail. No, he didn't like no. the red tail. But, but like I, you know, we we <laughs> red tail's precious. We Why? literally, you know, you look back at the the stuff you went through in your life, and if if you don't have that, like you're not where you're at today. You know, that's, I hated that's every thing. minute of it. Yeah, but I am at where I'm at right now. I'm so thankful that it happened, dude. And when and here's the other God thing. God damn, dude, it freaking sucks, man. I'm not even kidding you. From 2010 to where I'm at right now. Dude, ass whooping after ass whooping after ass whooping. It's just one of those things like get up, go, get up, go, like push forward. And it's kind of one of those things that I like am very thankful of being in the Marine Corps because they just teach you that. Like if you don't kill me, like I'm going to fight until the last breath in beating of you'll, my heart. You'll have to kill me. Yeah. No. And it's just but that, it's, it's that one of those mentality? things that if I can give anybody any sort of advice, like Fuck whatever it is that's going on in your life right now because shit could always be worse and there's way pe- that people that have it way worse off than you. Period, yeah. And Hands if down. they can be successful, you can be successful. So it's like change your mindset and just know that like it can always get better because what I've, I tell a lot of friends, you know, pain is temporary. It's one of those things like pain is either going to reach a point to where it like it stops or you die. But it's like more than likely, it's just eventually going to stop. So if you just like dig deep and keep trudging forward, you will get ahead. And it like you don't know when that moment of all of a sudden where the scales tip. And then all of a sudden, like right. you've been doing a lot of reaping or a, a lot of sowing and like, you know, sowing that seed out and, you know, doing good things and helping people and like making the right choices. 
And then all of a sudden it's just like you don't realize when it all of a sudden, like that storm in your life, all of a sudden it's just like, oh, you like look up. Oh, wow, the skies are clear right now. And then all of a sudden you're, yeah, the skies <laughs> are clear, baby. And, and things just take a turn. And then you just start really getting to see the fruits of your labor. But it's like it takes so much time. I heard a great definition of despair is imagining tomorrow will be exactly like today. Which, if you are face down, like, at the brink of defeat, despair is that tomorrow you're still face down in the same exact position. Circumstances are the same exact way as they are today. And the reality is that's not truth. Mm -mm. The truth is get your ass back up and face whatever it is that you need to face. Learn and grow and march forward. Correct. Fail forward. Yeah. It's it's a uh, and I love so one of the guys that I I follow is uh, Rob O'Neill, who most commonly known as the guy who killed Osama bin Laden. Is um, that on his business card? I think so. I think it is. If now. I had done that, I would put it on my business. Anyways, card. got got the chance to meet him. Got to hang out. You know, uh, met mutual friends. I follow him a lot on on social media stuff. And one of the things that he, um, you know, his like he has clothing line, different stuff that he's come out with. But it, you know, and then he talks. What well, and I, I think it's a you know military term, but face toward the enemy, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like okay, that's that's kind of a thing. Like you face forward to the problem right and i and i always and i tell my kids i said there's two types of people in the world there's people that fucking run screaming away from fucking trouble and there's people that run towards it right you're one of two people and you always want to be the people you know run towards the fucking trouble right and and that, that's military that's first responders that's just guys in normal life right like i mean you can you can be the you know which one are you, you i'll know? twist it the trouble might be you that's true look in the mirror yeah and be willing to face that dumb shit that needs to grow up there's a 19 year old version of you that looked in the mirror and went mm, it's time to make some changes yeah and the perspective of that everything changes well it's like if you're if you're listening i mean we're talking about three people i mean we and jody and i have an interesting story because i you know i never actually had the noose around my neck kind of situation but i definitely went through a point in my life where it got dark enough that i was like I literally remember like saying out loud to my, and I'm not a prayer or a, I'm not a religious person. I'm not a, I'm not even fucking superstitious, but I, I get to a point where like, I literally, I remember talk like saying out loud, which was the closest thing to praying. I think I've ever done saying out loud to people like, dude, this is where just a little weaker guy fucking offs himself. Like, I mean, I just was in a bad point in my life and I'm just like, yeah, this is the feeling right here is where like someone just a little weaker than me just fucking eats a bullet because you're just done with it. And it was that time frame in my life where I was dealing with a lot of shit that Jody called me. And we've been we, we played Little League Baseball together, but like kind of a big portion of our life didn't really hang out together. Went to school together. <laughs> he was way cooler than me. Uh, I was taller and taller, fatter. For taller sure. and fatter. But that's about yeah, it. Back then you I wouldn't skinny. say cooler. You're skinny back then. We were in different groups. But uh, they, Jody, out of fucking nowhere, calls me. And I can still tell you that the house on Meridian Road, I was I was out walking a house for my construction company. 
was out there and he calls me and I'm like, what the fuck? He's like, Hey, it's Jody. I'm like, what's up, dude? And we kind of like, you know, we run into each other occasionally, but we're not like best buddies. Right. And, uh, he's like, Hey, you okay? And I was like, look around. I'm like, uh, <laughs> yeah. And he's like, no, seriously. Are you okay? Quote, quote unquote. Don't give me your bullshit. And I'm answer. like, what the <laughs> fuck, dude? This guy doesn't even know me, bro. And all of a sudden I'm like, I you literally just like me, broke bro. down. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm fucking really fucked right now. Like, it's really not good right now. And it was just weird that he knew that, you know? And, you know, and like we've been best buddies since. Like, it's, it's just one of those things where like it, that was that moment where like he reached out to me. He was my Sam Elliott. And he, <laughs> hey, me, okay, me, you're right. But it was like. I sit there and look at it and I hear your story and I hear my story. Like we, we've been in those situations. And then the best part about that is, and I liken this to the, like I did MMA for a while. There, there's no better, there's no better knowledge. <laughs> like I throw that in. Yeah. So I, uh, no, like I did just, MMA a while back until you've a, had your cage fighter. <laughs> so I went, you I went to Kumite. <laughs> I must break you. I used to break oh, wait, glass. That's, Rocky. That's, Rocky. that's not a blood sport quote. I used oh. to put broken glass on hey, my Frank gloves Dukes. and fight each other. Hey, Frank Dukes. Okay, like, USA. Hey, I was trying to be serious. Come on. Sh- you just, just all right. It. He, he just ruined it. You. If you were legit, can we edit this part. Do we have? We could do some bricks in here right now. Listen, well, Chung, we want to see yeah. the dim mock. Yeah, yeah, the dim mock. Chung if you Lee. went to Kumite, hey, hey. you gotta face Chung Lee. Hey, I was trying to be deep and serious. Okay, sorry. Let's we go digress. back. Let's go back. Hold on. Let's hey. Hold on. Thank you. Okay, okay I'm back. Sorry. I'm back. Okay. You don't know until you've had the shit kicked out of you, and you get back up again. You don't know how to beat that right and now when you look back at it you've been beat down like you got like a rope around the neck fucking no money sleeping on fucking couches there's nothing anyone can tell i can't tell you shit right now where i'm like i'm gonna fucking take this whole business way and you're like fuck you i've already had it happen it's the same thing like i look at like my son and 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 like some of these kids like they've never been punched in the face right it's a mike tyson quote it's i have a fucking sticker on that thing right there it says nobody has a plan until you get punched in the face right it hurts until you've been knocked down and fucking got to a point in your life where you're like, fucking take everything away from me, motherfucker. I'll build it up again. Yeah. Period. Exactly. You're the classic example of that. Yeah. And that's when I met you and I heard the story. I'm just like, dude, this guy is the fucking epitome of what we try to teach on this podcast, which is you could like, if you're hearing this and you are at a shitty spot in your life, it can't be, it can't be shitty enough that you're not going to come back from it. Write your story. Period. Come back. It's like literally like get the, the fuck up. Get up. Get up. That's fuck it. Nobody's gonna it's just it's like, just so stupid so, when you think you can't come back from this, dude. You're just no. getting stronger. I'm gonna throw I'm gonna I'm the spiritual guy of the of the group. So yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some background. He's churchy and shit. Okay, I'm Joseph. Gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna shift this a little bit. The reason that I called you that day was because I had a dream that I had to explain to Gavin. So you you ended up dying in this dream. Holy crap. This is and I had to explain to Gavin a bunch of different, it was like this weird convoluted dream. And I could not get it out of my head. I couldn't get it out of my head. Yeah. And I was like, Sam Elliott, are you telling me to call Trevor Brown? And Sam Elliott said, Mio, Mio, call him. That's what started that 
whole conversation. Yeah, that's rad. Was a was a dream, literally a dream, where it was like, yeah, you need to call him. Yeah, Dude, that's it's rad. just I, it, it's crazy. Like Jody life saved works in your a life. Way. Yeah. It works in a weird, weird Jody way, dude. Slash I do Joseph. fucking anything for this guy. He knows it. Like, Bam. literally, like, but you Ride get to die. that point where you you have to understand, like, your life and everything that's going on, dude, is just today. Like, there's a whole nother world down the road. A whole nother world Tomorrow's down the road. Tomorrow's already done. Do you want me to start singing that song? Mm-hmm. A whole new world. Oh, wow. He's got a good singing voice. He's Fantastic. He could play it on guitar, too. Wow. I could do it. No one to tell us no. Oh, where to go? Wow. Dude. That's how we end. That's how we he end. He has right the voice of an angel. <laughs> this generation. It's like, it's like Fergie. <laughs> like Fergie. And Jesus. And Jesus had a baby. Okay, so here's where we like to end. We like to end on something. Uh, we like to end on something Possibly. family related. Family related. Mm-hmm. Okay. We like family. So you got a new baby. Oh, she's spanking so new. Cute. How how old? Uh, almost four months old. Oh man, yeah. that's such a funny. Just quit shitting tar. Just recently oh. shitting tar. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. You don't understand. Well, it's funny. That like I can was... like can literally walk into the room and know that she's got a poopy diaper. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Yeah, because it smells like really crappy movie theater popcorn. That's the best mm. way I can describe it. Where I'm just like, mm. and I know the poop cry. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, there's oh, a cry. Oh. Yeah. Someone sometimes she, she shit herself. When I do that, Heather, I cry. Heather says the same yeah. thing about me. Mm-hmm. But dude, babies. I mean, have an eighteen-year-old and then resetting. Oh, yeah. And now I have a three-month-old. You me, are a buddy. badass. Not dude. me, buddy. Yeah, I was wow. like, I call those grandchildren. It's like, I've already done this once. Mm-hmm. So here's the deal. So what we like to do is we like to spin it back to a little family-oriented thing. What's the advice right now? You've been down this road, so you've got you're, you got even more advice because you're like eighteen and a, yeah. a four month old. I mean, I kept one alive. Advanced eighteen. Yeah, I had a kid. Yeah. Congratulations! Dude. But like you, like what's the uh, what's the advice you give? Like, I mean, out of all this stuff you went through, because here's the thing: like through all your ups and downs, through all of them, you've had a kid. Yeah. So, like as a as a parent, as a dad, what do you tell somebody that's a dad and a business owner and and going through the same kind of struggles and stuff? That's What's your what's your advice? Um, well, it's unique, especially being a girl dad, because I have you know eighteen year old daughter and a three month old daughter, and I guess the one thing I would tell a lot of guys, especially if you're you know a dad to daughters, is just fucking love on them. You know what I mean? Don't take it easy on them. You know, I mean they're not a boy to where you need to be like, you know, gruff and this and that, but it's like raise them to where it's like, hey, like, we're going fishing. Like, no, you're going to gut this fish. You know what I mean? Like, showing them, like, yeah. hey, like, like this isn't, you know, ooh, you know, you're not yeah. a princess. It's just like, fish guts. Yeah, it's yeah. just fish guts. You know what I mean? I took my daughter. Your know, daddy's princess, but you're not a princess. Be like, no, like, if you're going to be a Disney princess, you're going to be like Mulan or Brave or like, you know, like one of the badass <laughs> well, Disney you princesses. Are, you not are Not one a of these little, dad. like, oh, I'm so helpless. Like, no, my daughters will never watch those movies. But the one thing that I would say, especially like with seeing my 18-year-old, is that love on them. Um, don't keep them from the world, but teach them about the world and always maintain a level of honesty 
You know what I mean? Like there's certain things that obviously you don't like share with your kids just because of, you know, like what age they're at and this and that. But it's like always be honest, always be upfront and just love the shit out of them. Because if you do that thing, then it's like they see this, you know, example of a man that owns his shit. Like, I mean, you know, if, obviously like as a dad, like we'll yell at our kid for doing something stupid and we just get lost in emotion and, you know, get pissed off and yell at them or like, you, you know, you mess up and you say the wrong thing and you hurt their feelings. And it's like when those things happen, like own it, like go to your kid. I mean, whether it's a son or a daughter or anything like with your kids, like own your fuck ups, you know, you mess up and you hurt their feelings or anything like go to me like, you know what? Hey, I'm really sorry. I spoke to you that way. Right. You know, explain Made like, you know, here's where I was at my mindset that doesn't make it right. And I just want to apologize to you and let you know, like, Hey, you know, I didn't mean to do this. And, you know, the other thing is just teaching them about the world, like teach them, you know, what's right, what's wrong and let them make their own decisions and let them mess up because, you know, from birth to leaving your household, it's one of those things where it's like, that's the time to fuck up because there's the safety net of mom and dad. As soon as they get out of the house, and fuck up, and it's like, nope, oh, sorry, got to learn on this. That's called I mean, dispatch. You can still, <laughs> you can still help your kid, but it's like, don't enable them. Right. Like, if you did the right job of teaching your kid during those times, then it's like they should know. But it's like, come on, dude. I mean, <laughs> I'm the prime example. My parents told me all sorts of stuff I shouldn't do. Did I do it? <laughs> no, mm. I made opposite decisions. <laughs> but you sure learned a lot. Exactly. You know what I mean? And the other thing is, you know, once your kids do, you know, graduate high school, like mine just graduated high school last year and moved out of the house and, you know, on her own kind of thing. And, you know, you know, you got to let them fail and understand that, like, although you had a life path and you made failures along the road that you can't fix their failures and you kind of have to let them sit in it and be there for them as a support system, but let them figure it out. Because it's one of those things that, you know, if you look at your life and, you know, someone was always there to help you figure out your, sh you know, how to eat your shit sandwich and you didn't actually really have to eat it, you're not going to learn from it. So it's right. one of those things of like always being there and being their support system during those teachable moments. <laughs> I love that. If you don't eat the whole shit sandwich, you don't learn as much. Mm -hmm. No, you have to eat. But the that's whole the thing. truth of life. With both hands. Yeah. Nom, 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 nom. Okay. I love it. I think we nailed it. Barkley Hill. What's your uh, your Instagram? At Barkley Hill? At Barkley Hill. At Barkley Hill. Check them out, guys. Meridian, Idaho. If you're local, definitely get in here and get your hair cut. Get shaved. Get your face trimmed up. They'll make you look pretty like me. You are pretty. Maybe not this pretty, but. Can you make me pretty? Mm. I'm a I'm a barber, not a miracle worker. <laughs> hey Mio, hey Mio, <laughs> make Jody look great. Check <laughs> us out at, at Havoc Partners. Shoot us a DM. Let us know what you want to hear. We'll take care of you. Thanks for listening. Season three. Season three. Season three. The hell oh, yeah. Thanks for joining us, y'all. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>